Hello and welcome to episode number 298 of the Super Horror Bros podcast. I'm your host Matt and joining me as always is my brother Mike. Hello. How's it going? Not bad, not bad. Back We're getting Wes. there. We're back for a bit of Wes, which is always nice. Um, another first time viewing in Shocker, um, which we will get to shortly. Very exciting. It's weird, like I feel like we've done a lot of wes this year but we really haven't um we've, like, we've been, no like we've been surprisingly sparing considering how barren a lot of the weeks have been mm. this year um so yeah looking forward to talking about that this week um and yeah obviously we're very fast approaching 300 um which we will get to shortly because it's kind of on the back of the news it'll be involved in it because there's only one news item this week um which we'll just get straight into which is all about uh stranger things obviously it is uh Coming out this week as we record, which is incredibly exciting. Um, just a mere matter of days away from finally the return of Stranger Things. It's been such a long time coming. Um, and yeah, obviously we both cannot wait for it. And we've, we've obviously talked in the news that we know that it's split in two volumes. Um, obviously with the first volume coming out this week and then the second volume out uh, the start of July. Um, but I think that's all we've kind of known uh, or at least talked about on the show. Um, mm. But we've got a lot of information the past week, um, which is really interesting. Um this first part is definitely true, and the second part I'm seeing reported, but I don't know if it's strictly true, but we'll, we'll, we'll lead with the thing that we do know which is coming, which is volume one, which is out this week, um, is seven episodes, mm-hmm. um, which is seven of the nine episodes. So it's that is weird in and of itself. I, I think it's shocking, or I guess at least surprising, because mm-hmm. um, obviously you'd expect it to be somewhat 50-50, and this isn't even close to that. You know, it's a vast majority of the season with basically like a two-part finale to follow. Um, so that's exciting that we've got most of the season coming yeah, I know. this week. Um, yeah, which is great, and obviously we'll get to talk about that shortly. Um, so that is 100% true. Now, we do have kind of a list of run times um, for the episodes, and this is the part that I'm not 100% sure on if this is true or not. Um, but it's been reported on a few places, and they've obviously talked a lot about this is the longest season of Stranger Things by far. They've already talked about how they will get up into movie lengths, a lot of these episodes. And so all of that kind of information backs up this being true um now if this is true basically the first six episodes are all over an hour long um but ranging between an hour and an hour and 15 minutes which is already a lot um then kind of the the episode seven which obviously caps this first volume is an hour and a half in length and then the two final episodes which we're getting in july will be both an hour and a half and two and a half hours is the last episode wild um yeah which is absolutely insane obviously if these numbers are correct we're basically getting nine hours of stranger things in this volume (laughs) one and four hours in volume two um which is just crazy right like Mm. this is mind-blowing obviously this is such I'm really curious how this is going to feel watching it. Like, obviously, you've rewatched it recently. How, mm-hmm. how long? Because in in my head, I'm thinking they're probably 45 minutes. But like, you'll know because you've just watched them. How without yeah, like, obviously no. credits and stuff? How long are is are they traditionally? And has it been I consistent think... with the previous seasons? No, they, the the episode lengths do sometimes go long and short. They're not always mm. like strict to, to a length, but they're they're kind of um, normally around the 50 minute mark. Right is where they're at um from from memory kind of pretty much kind of you know 
plus or minus five minutes from the 50 minute mark yeah so it's yeah so it's not too much longer it won't feel too different obviously until we get to those final ones when it will really feel like watching movies um but yeah this is incredibly exciting obviously we are both super excited for this um and i guess that kind of leads us on to talking about our upcoming schedule um because we have had to re-move some things around based upon certain release dates obviously um this is episode 298 and we've been discussing how much we want to talk about Alex Garland's Men, which is obviously out in the US as of right now. Mm-hmm. Um, we are getting the classic UK shafting with the release yeah. date. Um, and apparently... The old again, UK Rogerin just yes. taken, taken away from us at the last second. <laughs> yeah, by a British director um, as well, just to rub it in even more. Um but yeah, we apparently are getting it on the 1st of June, um, which is obviously next Wednesday as of recording, mm-hmm. um, which would, it, and it, which again, it not only does it screw us because it's just a meaningless, like, you know, two week delay on when we wanted to see yeah. it, but then releasing it on the 1st of June, which is kind of like after Stranger Things comes out, also after when we traditionally record that week. Exactly. Just, we record on a Tuesday, so they release it on a Wednesday. Like. Yeah. So it just, <laughs> it just really screws us over. So we're, we're removing things around around we're not really caring about when the days normally we record because we just want to talk about the things that we're excited for um Mm -hmm. obviously which is men and then stranger things so based upon if men does come out on the first of june we're looking (laughs) to watch it relatively quickly and then put up 299 um so that'll be later next week um so that 299 yeah so normally we'd record on the tuesday that week and instead it'd be like you know sometime in the week and it'd go up on the friday morning for 299 and then stranger things which we want it to be episode 300 um won't be the following tuesday which would be the 7th of june it's the following tuesday after that which will be the 14th of june so essentially there'll be like 10 or 11 day gaps between our next three podcasts rather than the traditional seven um and that's kind of like the best we could do really whilst also wanting to talk about the things that we're excited for um mm. i also but, think what you know we spoke about it that, that further being being that much further away from stranger things coming out mm. a, a it means um you know a lot of people will have been able to watch it so so there therefore it means we can talk a bit more spoilery on it like we'll 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 still throw up a warning and stuff, but we can go a little bit more into it and, and just talk about Stranger Things as a whole for, for that kind of three hundred celebration which which I cannot wait for. Like you know, like like I said to you, if this season delivers of Stranger Things, then it, it could well possibly be my favourite T V show. Yeah, I cannot wait. And like I say, that gives us around 20 days after the release of Stranger Things before the show goes live. So obviously it's nine hours long, which is considerable. You know, it's not like when we watch a a traditional, you know, two hours or less film for the podcast mm-hmm. so it gives us plenty of time to sit down enjoy it not feel rushed like we were never gonna you know rush through it and watch it all on the weekend or anything stupid like that you know we've waited years for this we're gonna savor it i i highly recommend everyone else does the same obviously be careful of spoilers out there um but yeah savor this because because moments like this don't come too often um and yeah so that'll be a great episode 300 obviously that'll be a much longer episode just by design because we'll be talking about nine hours of tv rather than like a two-hour yeah. film um 
And obviously, if you want to be involved on episode 300, um, obviously our email, superhorrorbrospodcast at gmail.com. On Twitter at shbpod, you can tweet us. Our DMs are always open. And yeah, any sort of questions, comments, look back, just anything really. If you want to be a part of episode 300, you want to say, hey, what was the favorite sequel you saw? Or any any random ass question like that that you want to throw at us, by all means, we'll be all theirs. Um, But yeah, it'll just be a fun time really. And, And obviously the main thing we're looking forward to by far at this point is uh getting to finally talk about stranger things um which is going to be very very fun indeed um, oh definitely and i think as well just it'll be nice to hear for some people you know how new and old listeners to see kind of you know who we've got out there and and who kind of how long people have been listening to the show it'll be you know part of a stranger things and a episode 300 celebration so it's going to be a double fun good one yeah looking forward to it and like i say just before that one of our most anticipated movies of the year um in 299 which yeah i'm not overlooking by any stretch like i cannot wait to watch that as well um so yeah it's gonna be very fun indeed and obviously that'll put us into like mid-june at that point we'll probably have potentially dash cam and crimes of the future to watch two movies that i'm also very excited for and then that'll basically lead us into july when obviously the return of the jordan peele so very, well, I know that guy. Yeah, exactly. He's he's done pretty well with his uh, previous two films. Um, he's all right, isn't he? He's done all right. Yeah. Um. So yeah, very very exciting indeed for for horror fans. Um. But yeah, shall we talk about this week's film? Let's do it. Let's talk about Shocker. So yeah, this uh, this movie is fascinating. <laughs> Absolutely fascinating. Oh, so to get some of the kind of the more traditional speak, because I feel like this is going to be. I'm already looking forward to this conversation. Um, yeah, this came I know out. What talking about <laughs> this came out in 1989. Um, interestingly, written and directed by Wes, um, um, which obviously is kind of rare around this time. Like we've been flirting with a lot of you know adaptations and has this story that's been given to him and blah 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 whereas i really feel like it's nice just seeing him be creative um in that sense and obviously i had never seen this film before you had seen this film right i had seen this film and it's weird though because i very vividly remember the first half of the film (laughs) And then, like, <laughs> for some reason, don't have a lot of memories of the acid trip of the second half of the film. I was going to so say, then, it blows my mind as someone I who's now seen both parts, because I think it's so unforgettable. Like, I'll never forget the second half of this movie. I it's it's I feel like crazy. I might have just, like, paused it or something. Like, <laughs> it's, I, I really don't know. It's, it's insane. But um, because, yeah, the second half of this movie is something to behold. It really is, um, yeah. Yeah, I mean... Like, before we go into the the plot of this too much, like, mm. obviously, we're, what, we've seen two movies post um, Nightmare on Elm Street? Is it two, or, or how many have we had? Quickly. Or is it, would it be three? Uh, it's three, yeah. It was three, Hills of Part Two, yeah, yeah. Deadly Friend, and then obviously Serpent of the Rainbow. Yeah, and it's like, you know, he does Nightmare on Elm Street, and then kind of Hills of Eyes you know it makes sense that he just kind of like that that just felt like a thing that happened 
Mm. And I'm very happy that it did. But then, you know, Deadly Friend and um, Serpent and the Rainbow both don't feel like Wes Craven movies traditionally. And they certainly don't feel like Wes post Nightmare on Elm Street. Mm. Like this movie 100% feels like, oh, this is the guy that made Nightmare on Elm Street. They still had a shit ton of ideas that he needed to get out there. And almost like it was almost like he held back during Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. And was like, I don't want to go too crazy. Like, you know. <laughs> yeah, this really, this movie felt like him getting his creative groove back after yeah. Nightmare, like you're saying. And all of these leftover ideas, which obviously we'll, we'll talk about it because there's, it, it kind of blew me away how similar in so yeah. many aspects this movie is to A Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, but he clearly just had a plethora of ideas. And, yeah. you know, with with a few smart reworks can can create this new IP that is also very similar to Nightmare, but then just goes so much crazier um, in so many different ways. And it really does make you wonder, like, around this time, had this just been a Nightmare on Elm Street movie, I, I would love to have seen what that would have looked like. Um, because yeah, I know. The, the level of, like, creativity and ideas in this movie is mind-blowing to me. It's far too ambitious for, for, for its budget and time really just yeah, everything what, what yeah like do. everything uh, it's like it shouldn't even be a film like because no. <laughs> um, it should be a it should be a, a book a video game a vr experience like it should be everything it could be it's just <laughs> this movie is mind-blowing to be honest with you yeah and i the thing i remember the most is that, that this movie is kind of it, well in my head it was two movies but it's actually three movies in one mm. really um because yeah we kind of start the movie with um our kind of lead villain uh horace pinker who's kind of um great name great name great name uh who basically is this serial killer that's going around just absolutely tearing the you know just just kind of like the the 70s kind of real life serial killers kind of the the terrorized you know um you know, America during that time, it's kind of very reminiscent of that where he is just all in the news and he's kind of got everyone terrified of him and no one knows who he is. And our lead, um, character, was it Jonathan? Yeah. Um, basically has a dream where he, uh, sees the murders happening and kind of basically can name who it is. Um, because, Pinker has his own little Pinker electric van and basically leads the police right to the doorstep. And this is kind of like, you know, what the opening, what, half an hour of the movie or so? Yeah. And kind of, you know, we have the real cat and mouse. And then, you know, if you brought this movie back in the 80s, because this is what you did in the 80s, and you saw a picture of VHS artwork, and you'd see a guy in an electric chair being electrocuted, mm. and, and you'd that doesn't happen until like 50 minutes into the movie or 40 minutes into the movie, does it? Yeah. Um, where basically, yeah, Pinker gets captured, gets the electric chair. And then there's, this movie is so fucking hilarious. There are so many world-class MacGuffins or Mm. just hilarious lines or characters (laughs) doing insane shit. Mm. And there was like this little throwaway line where they were like, Oh yeah, we we cleared out Pinker's apartment. He just had a load of electrical stuff and voodoo. 
And I'm like, oh, okay, <laughs> right? <laughs> One of my favorite little throwaway lines was when he's in his cell yeah. and they go, oh, he's having his last meal or whatever. And they're like, that's weird. All he wanted was a TV. And, yeah. and then they're like, oh, he must be a soap opera guy. And then it cuts yeah. to not just him with the TV, him yeah. with two jumper leads attached to the TV, <laughs> electrocuting himself, about 50 lit candles around him, a bunch of like Book of the Deads on the floor. Yeah, <laughs> like, like, oh, yeah, having the Chronomicon as well. Like, yeah. <laughs> like no he didn't just fucking ask for a tv he asked for all like the two jumper leads is what got me like i absolutely love that oh <laughs> uh, there was uh, i can't remember exactly what the line was now but there was this hilarious line and i know i'm skipping but later on in the movie where they're doing like the power cut at midnight mm. and the guy was like uh i can't break that lock it's a felony and he's like it's not a felony it's a lock break it <laughs> yeah <laughs> there's so many good lines like was wes was just out of his mind with one-liners oh. in this way the way he likes say he had about five years of oh, freddie one-liners know, that he just I put know, into this film exactly and pinker just had a ton of them yeah yeah and like and and then um but yeah once pinker gets the electric chair he basically finds a way to become one with electric kind of but he basically has this hybrid spell for a good half an hour of the movie where he is just body jumping mm. and inhabiting different people. So we suddenly get like a life changer short movie mm-hmm. of Pinker getting these people with hilarious connotations with him then still going after Jonathan as like, uh, you know, a 10 year old girl and and all these like like that that little girl was like proper swearing as well yeah <laughs> and probably like, oh. probably properly driving a jcb <laughs> probably, probably yeah yeah probably knowing where's knowing what he did in serpent who knows Just this this but... whole movie was again i i love that snapshot to the past because the level of stunts that were going on in this movie oh like there's a, there's a scene later on where the lead actor who and it's clearly the lead actor is running yeah. through his house and it's just constant sparks being let off in his face like yeah. just constantly and i'm like man they re- it really was just a different time wasn't it like yeah th- in terms of health and safety towards actors yeah. like it was mind-blowing but um yeah, I mean, this movie is just an absolute trip, though, isn't it? I think when when we started this Wes Craven retrospective, there were a ton of movies that obviously we hadn't seen. And even like this one, I have to put this one in, in the category that I haven't seen it fully because I clearly haven't seen it to appreciate it. Mm. Like, I've, like I say, I remember the first half and I, maybe, I, maybe it was on like telly or something. I don't know. Because I don't have the memory of this movie that I should. Because, you know, I think this is why we did the retrospective. To try to find, like, these hilarious, like, little nuggets of Wes Craven that we just haven't seen before. And I think this is this is a great example of that. Because it's just, um, you know, it, it doesn't have the level of, of you know his best works necessarily but it but the level of just craziness and fun and just surprise w- was fantastic i think kind of you know as you said like the the stunts that, that this movie has in it the, the zaniness the effects that he tries to do because like pinker for like the second half of the movie is basically electric mm. and, and and kind of holographic and that is just hilarious. Like the um, the last ten minutes of this movie is just fucking hilarious. It was like every idea that Wiz could fit in, he just 
uh, you know was going to go for it and some of them some of them looked okay and some of them looked hilariously bad but all of them had that charm and and that's that charm that we crave as like 80s horror movie lovers where it's just like even when it's bad it's good um because they were part like the whole scene when he's chasing him as his uh stepdad Mm. and and he's shooting him he's he's like he he shoots a cop like earlier on, just from about fifty yards away, straight between the shoulder blades, like not a problem. And then he's about five yards away from Jonathan, and he sh- he shoots him about twenty five times. And the sparks must hit him. Pinker is the most accurate person ever at getting within a centimeter of someone and not hitting them. He's also the most accurate person when he's shooting anyone who's not the lead character (laughs) because the the moment before that when he's um, incorporated into the body and he just like he's shooting Jonathan forever and misses and then then the one time a jogger runs away he's like one shot bam takes him down. Oh sorry yeah no the jogger that was it that's what I meant the one between the shoulders yeah not a cop yeah the jogger but um (laughs) yeah but then it wasn't even that scene as well it was the one later when he's when he's he's and yeah and it's just like at one, you, you can see when Jonathan's climbing the ladder that Pinker is literally like five yards behind him. Yeah, I'm like, I I could make that shot, mate. Like it, but 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 I didn't. I wasn't like taken out of it. I was just laughing because it was just a great funny time. And like Pinker's just laughing his head off as well in the moment as that character, just like you know, kind of you know, so Freddy esque where you know he he's so powerful in this movie pinker you know the second he gets the electric chair he basically becomes like a, a version of freddy at this point and instead of instead of kind of inhabiting dreams he's just inhabiting like i don't know the literally anything. Like it... yeah he, he just has no rules basically yeah it's, you know with freddy at least you have to be asleep with pinker it's just you know you can get sucked into a telly you can inhabit people. You can just go down a, a plug socket and become electric, like what, whatever. Like, and but it's all just incredibly entertaining. And I think, um, you know, with with that, he is just he is just fucking with Jonathan for this movie. He doesn't necessarily want to kill him, and that's that's kind of you know Freddy's mo, isn't it? You know, in all of the movies, how often does he actually try to kill characters, and how often is he just playing with them like a cat? Um, and I think that's very much what Pinker is in this movie. Um, but there were so many parts of it that I, you know, thought was, I I thought the first half was when, when Jonathan was just, uh, dreaming and kind of, they had the cat and mouse chasing Pinker. I thought that was a really enjoyable, you know, good chunk of the movie and, and decent. But then when it goes insane, I just had a hilariously fun time with it. I think, um, Jonathan's obsession with finding that necklace I found hilarious as well. I don't know whether you did. <laughs> well, I, I was like... going to say to you, like, I feel like I missed the scene when that necklace was explained to be why it was important and why that was the key to defeating Pinker. She, his girlfriend has a little moment with him when she's dead, where she gives it to him again. Right, I saw that, but it's like, is that why does his girlfriend have anything to do with Pinker? She's like a ghost, isn't she? Right, right. one of these victims, because like I like the reveal with with Jonathan and Pinker and their kind of history, but like the girlfriend yeah. in the necklace, I was like, this has nothing to do with anything. Those, those are powerful, aren't they? Fair those enough, powerful, mate. They're powerful. <laughs> um, and but the fact that like 
he <laughs> pinker proper like ace ventura that necklace into nowhere yeah he that's just great threw that into the lake it went so far but i loved instantly jonathan goes i know exactly where it is i'm mm-hmm. like yeah i do too at the bottom of the fucking lake mate just leave it <laughs> and he's like oh if you could just go get my mask i i, I can go straight in and get it i know yeah. exactly where it is and then, like, when it cut to him, like, in the final act, and he's actually swimming in the lake trying to find it, I didn't realize that that was a dream sequence. I thought he'd legit just gone there and was swimming in the dark trying to find the necklace. Mm. Like, did I, did they show him, like, go to sleep, or did I just miss that bit? Like, I... I, I can't remember, because that was a part of the movie that definitely was my least favorite was was like the the setup to the final confrontation with pinka and like yeah. the, the 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 multiple visions of his girlfriend and getting the necklace that was like the only part of the movie i didn't enjoy because well, it made me laugh how he was scared of her again yeah. like and then yeah it, it was weird but obviously you know there are so many dream sequences in this movie you, you know like i say that I, i'm shocked that it took wes like three movies to then do this to get it out of his system Mm. like this should have been the movie that came out a year after nightmare yeah yeah this movie i i completely agree with what you said in terms of like this is what i've been waiting for doing this retrospective seeing all of these new wes films new to me for the first time um and they've mostly been disappointing which has been a real shame and so i've wanted to see one that i had an absolutely insanely good time with and this is absolutely that movie i i absolutely adored this film um i had to make copious notes on it just to remember everything um which i'll go through now because like this is about five different films in one um it's quite long like it's an hour and 45 and and we'll kind of get to that because that is pretty long for this era um but definitely beginning with the with the like straight off the bat the movie opens with like a classic 80s rock theme called shocker um just immediately sets that tone of like oh, okay it's one of those types of films um and and, and it also immediately sound out the vibes of, of nightmare on elm street because we have like a killer point of view of um pinker basically creating like weapons in his little killer's lair yeah. um whilst we get the reports of the, like the killings and i'm like oh man like right off the bat i'm immediately in that like freddy krueger mindset mm-hmm. which like didn't go away for the whole film um so that was cool. I think straight away, as soon as we're introduced to the protagonist and he kind of has that first confrontation with Pinker, I was just so invested immediately. I was like, oh, this is awesome that it's the protagonist sees the killer in their dreams and, and can then go out of their dream to find where they are in real life. I'm like, oh, OK, this is like an inverse of Nightmare on Elm Street. Like this is actually <laughs> incredibly interesting and i'm Mm. like that's enough to me i'm like okay cool it's just a serial killer movie and this guy has this one ability go and like that's what the first 40 minutes is up until the electric chair and like i absolutely loved it that for me i i'd completely almost forgot that it was called shocker and and seeing the poster and that so i was just in it for that and i was like this is fantastic and i think the first um the first dream he has, he, like, jumps through the killer, which is obviously just like what Nancy does at the end of Nightmare on Elm Street, which I found interesting because um, there's just so many parallels. Um, the the scene when they kind of go into, like, the killer's lair and there's, like, all the traps and stuff, like, that was really cool. Um, and the way Pinker got away, like, dressed as the police officer, like, I just dug all of that. Like, all of these early scenes were, like, they knocked it out of the park for me. Like, tonally, it was actually tense um pinker's layer was fantastic it yeah. reminded me so much of like when we saw jigsaw's layer 
Yeah. And he had like that sliding bookcase and all of those different things and, and brutally killing those cops as well. I thought that whole scene was really fantastic. It was great, wasn't it? And like, again, like tonally, we, ju- we just get to something so different later on. So it's easy to yeah. forget yeah. how amazing those early scenes are. And I, th- and I was talking about stakes, like the fact that he the second time, like he's aware of them, like he just straight off goes and kills their, their family, like kills his mom and his sister. And then shortly after that kills his girlfriend. And I was like, man, this is it was really shocking to me how quickly um the killer killed off what i thought would be lead characters mm. um which again was a, a change of pace i wasn't expecting and was so exciting and so like again this is about 25 30 minutes in i'm like this is so good um we then get kind of protagonist like inducing himself into a dream to track down pinker which i thought was great um and at this point like i say the movie's just gone so quickly um and then yeah like once they caught him as well like when they get him on the rooftop and he's having the fight i was like man how is he gonna get out of this like we've mm. still got a long way for the movie left and so when they caught him again forgetting about like very limited previous knowledge of the movie that i had and i'm glad i knew so little about this film because it really added to enjoying it um uh, when they caught him i was like oh damn like they've him what's going to happen now and then obviously we get like this is when like tonally the movie just shifts dramatically um i almost couldn't believe it like we we cut to obviously him with the jumper cables which is already like funny but then when we get like a pair a a pair of electric lips floating out of the tv um and he he says something along the lines of like give me the power (laughs) well well, like he says something like give me the give me the power because i didn't write that down but i did write down what the lips said which was was you got it baby that's what the lips say back to him i knew it's something like that that was brilliant i was like I paused at that point and I was like, wow, this movie's, I actually like had to go away from the movie and be like, I can't believe how different this is going to be. Um, but it was weird because I tell you what happened. Go for it. The, the, all of the equipment that he had shipped out to film serpent and the rainbow had returned back in the States uh, <laughs> with, with the copious amounts of cocaine. <laughs> yeah. It seems like that way. Like that would explain a lot. So maybe especially when he was writing it. Um, but like, but but also it still was tonally still dramatic like the scene of him breaking out and when he's biting the face of the police officer like that was yeah. incredible that was uh, like easily the best effect in the movie in terms of like actual you know practical effects mm-hmm. the the scene of him getting electrocuted and and we haven't even talked about mitch Pelegi's performance yet but like that is i mean he's amazing in the whole film and i genuinely think every scene he's in is incredible but that scene is what solidified it for me of like just the way he's talking to jonathan with that level of disdain and kind of confidence and hatred and cockiness and like revealing those home truths like everything about this scene landed for me and i was like man this is so good um and like i say especially like it was well written anyway and it's a really interesting character but just the performance was so so good for mitch um and then we get again when it starts to get zany again of like he gets shocked he's clearly still alive because he's like his <laughs> eyes are open and he's looking at him and they're like yeah. hey doctor go check him out so they, they, like, so they force this poor what? yeah they force this poor woman in who like grabs his arm and then he like shocks her or whatever um and obviously like well there's like a puff of smoke and he disappears and, and she disappears as well or no she just faints or whatever so they like take her yeah. out and then obviously they find when everyone else has left other than jonathan and his stepdad they find like the body behind the door oh, no. um 
And obviously, we don't get a man on fire in this film, but we do Nothing. get a corpse being burned to, and then disappearing, which I feel like was a nice compromise to be like, yeah. let's not set stuntmen on fire anymore. Oh, Wes. no, Wes, Wes used a stuntman for that. They're like, they're like Wes, you know you could just use, use a mannequin. He's like, I know, but I want to use a stuntman. He's like, don't talk to me. I've got the cocaine. Um <laughs> But yeah, it was mental. And then we kind of get like, because at this point, I still have no idea what the, the rest of the movie is going to be. So I've seen right. Pinker disintegrate and and I'm like, what the hell's going on? And then we get the girl in the car. And this scene was very like Evil Dead to me when oh, she's God. like really wacky and kind of like tongue out. And like and like she says a little quippy line as well, like, oh, you want some head or something? She says to the guy after she's broke his neck, which is very like Evil Dead. Um, and just this whole scene, I was like, oh, OK, this is tonally so different to what I've like. I'm, in, I'm genuinely invested in like the seriousness of the serial killer. And now it's given me <laughs> wacky Evil Dead vibes, which I just wasn't expecting. So I was mm. like, OK, so it was it was it was jarring that scene. And then we kind of get to like, OK, there's these weird electric effects. And now I'm kind of figuring out like, OK, this is going to be like a shape shifting movie. I'm like, OK, strap in. This is going to be mental. Yeah. Um, but then we get like the actual I think the pinnacle is the first one of the first scenes with the shape-shifting which is the little girl scene because oh, um, i because i feel like especially later on we'll get to but like that is just so hilarious because like especially when the little kid bumped into him and she just like bumps into him and she's like sorry i didn't see you there which is just this weird scene um and i didn't think that pinker <laughs> would like be in you know in control of this little girl so yeah. when we get to that and then her driving the jcb was hilarious the stunts when she's like jumps out of the car and runs away and she has this limp which we're gonna the definitely limp. talk yeah. about but like and it's clearly a stunt person as well like, this clearly isn't the little girl doing it it's clearly <laughs> know, a little it's clearly a little stunt person with a limp with a blonde wig and and like oh it's just so good and like these are those moments, like I say, where it is just this dumb, silly, camp 80s horror that they're nailing. And so that's why this movie is so weird to me, because tonally it fits so many different things. And I don't know if I'm happy that, like, it went that way. Like, I overall, I still love the movie, but I do wish we would have yeah. just got a 90-minute version of what the first 40 minutes was. <laughs> well, um, there, are, there are three movies, I think, because because you have the, the first bit you've talked about, the shapes of shifter stuff and then you have him as like full electric man yeah and it's like each one does get a little bit worse than the other but they are yeah. still all enjoyable definitely yeah so yeah i i saw like i i thought the shape-shifting stuff definitely peaked there um yeah. i think that the whole limp thing is great as well like it's just one of those fun little writing things of like it's an easy way to kind of stabilize you as the audience yeah. so you always know um and when and every had that little limp i was yeah. like oh shit jonathan <laughs> every time they revealed it they revealed it perfectly it was always yeah. like we saw it just before jonathan did and, and i loved all that stuff i think um definitely it, it calms down once he kind of runs away and it, it and is that first level of chaos there's like a 15 minute chaotic scene where <laughs> jonathan's just constantly running and i actually love that because i think in movies enough characters don't just fucking leg it and he does like half a marathon yeah i love that his strategy was just i'm just gonna keep on running and they actually put it in the story that it made sense because that's basically what he was as this like sick athlete so like i loved all that that was great um 
But then it did slow down when it was like, I need to get this stupid necklace from the lake. I'm having visions from my dead girlfriend. Um, yeah, that's when, to me, that 20-minute spell. And then him overtaking the stepdad just went on a bit too long when they're, like, fighting on the that building or whatever. Um, mm. I was like, this stuff's okay, but that was that was easily my least favorite part of this whole film. It still wasn't bad, but it was everything else was so good. Um, but then, yeah, it, it, it kind of it brought it back, and it was such a mental conclusion um the final like sort of 20 30 minutes like it's pretty long um of like it's the confrontation between him obviously jonathan and pinker but the fact that it is like they flirt in with jumping through tvs and and dreams and beds and mirrors and all sorts throughout the whole film but the Mm. fact that they just fully committed to it and is like right we're going to jump in this TV. We're going to have this whole gimmick with a remote and you're going to be changing channels. I'm going to be interacting with things on the TV. Like he's jumping into classic films. Then he's jumping into like a game show. Then he's jumping into a news report. Yeah, um, it was brilliant. Like a war like yeah. documentary and the soldiers are like, what's that guy on the street? I, I couldn't believe it. My, my jaw was genuinely agape watching this part. Cause I was like, man, this is stuff that like, I, I've seen movies like this recently do this now. And it's mind blowing, yeah. let alone doing this in the eighties, let alone dread, like God knows how little the budget was for this movie. Mm. So like, I, again, the level of creativity it and originality, the movie of Frankenstein, like it was yeah. brilliant. God, man, it's so cool. Like th- there's so many parts of this movie that I'm, I'm still on the high from, um, mm. now, but I cannot wait to rewatch this. This is easily a movie I'm going to watch time and time and time again. Cause there's just so much about it. that's so goddamn entertaining. And now that I've seen it, I do, I really am looking forward to a second rewatch and wondering kind of what I'll feel about it tonally. Cause now I'll know what's to come and stuff. Mm. Um, but yeah, that whole final fight is just immense. And, and then, like I say, the movie ends. It's an hour and forty-five. I think for me, there was that that sp- that short spell of around fifteen minutes just before the finale, with like all of the girlfriend visions. I didn't give a shit about like him jumping in the lake for the necklace. Didn't care. Like that I was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm glad you liked it because that was when. Because like I say, when you asked me I the question about how did he end up it, there, or stuff. So funny. Yeah. It it, like, like what? It, I loved it, and I really thought like he was going to just pluck it, like. Hmm. And he, I didn't realize it was a dream. I thought it was so funny, man. Yeah, it was. But yeah, just o- overall, like, I, I am, I, I love this movie. I'm, I don't even know how I feel about it because it's weird. Like, it's so many different things. I know that I love it, and I, I and the one thing I will say is I'm kind of blown away that this isn't talked about more because we've mm. talked about a few of these movies like like Swamp Thing. I saw a lot of you know conversations around, even Serpent and the Rainbow, and and even like Deadly Friend and stuff. But yeah. like. I get that people have, you know, have liked Shocker, but this was always a movie that I just thought was like going to be a a fairly okay generic slasher was what I was expecting. Where I was like, oh yeah, Wes fans probably love it because it's of that era and it'll be perfectly okay was what I was expecting. But the level of creativity and originality is arguably some of the best stuff Wes has ever done. Mm. If, if you look at it just on paper... um, even early on when we don't know fully what's happening with the shapeshifter oh yeah that's it this is like right after the the scene in the police station or whatever when he's been shocked is like there's a police officer that goes to his house and is like Mm -hmm. oh yeah you need to come with me jonathan and then you get like the the phone message reveal Uh, and like i was gonna bring that bit up yeah all of the timing with all of that was genuinely awesome and what's bizarre as well as i don't know about you i mean you probably did because you're thinking about it 24 7 but it was weird to me that i was thinking a lot about t2 watching this film in a weird way <laughs> like especially the chase scene i don't know why when he's like running after him i, I got like a t1000 vibe and obviously this is before oh, that. Yeah. but it was weird i don't know why like th- this movie just had so much in it 
and like I say, a lot of the times when you throw it all at the wall, it can seem like a mess. I think he nailed almost everything that he threw at the wall. And I think, yeah, the level of creativity in the 80s, in a time when... He, you you can just go, hey, you know that guy in the hockey mask who just, who just kills people? Everyone loves that shit. Like, you could just do that. But this is the guy who made the most original horror character of the 80s. And he really did something interesting with Pinker here that I feel like yeah. is super underrated. No, I, I get what you mean about the T2 vibes, though. With mm. um, Because, like, like you say, with Jonathan, very rarely do you see a character just leg it. Yeah. You know, it's the whole joke from Scream that wears mm. references like you know and and t2 is the prime example of that the second john connor sees t1000 he's gone he's on his motorbike he's gone the second he then gets sarah they they literally fuck off to mexico yeah like you know so much of the movie is a a chase which is fantastic just getting away you know and and that's what was so fun about that and i think you know that, that 20 minute sequence from that police officer turning up at the house is that, but with this mm. weird shapeshifter element. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, you touched upon it very briefly in the, the opening kind of song kind of sets the scene, but mm. then the soundtrack of this movie is brilliant. Yeah. Like there are so many scenes that it, it, it almost gets you like head banging and pumped and mm. before the scene goes. And there was, there were certain scenes where they were kind of going and I was like, oh, okay, this is, this is somewhat interesting. And then suddenly the eighties, like heavy music kicked in and I suddenly found myself like nodding, like, hell yeah. And like, it just, it really added to it for me. And, and it just, it was all of these, you know, so many different songs that I hadn't necessarily even heard of that were just this really great, you know, eighties heavy music. And I, and I really think they kind of, um, you know, massively landed with, with the tone of this and, as it got more zany, like like you said, when they were jumping through the telly, they literally jump into a music video, <laughs> uh, and, and like I, I thought it was great. Like I, you know, I think that really added to it. Definitely, and I agree with you that like I think it was both soundtrack and score that were brilliant. Yeah. Like I think because yeah, those scenes we're talking about when it's like the police officers chasing him for that whole bit, and then going into when he shapeshifts as the little girl. Like the actual score of that stuff was really good. Where it was this like quick boom in soundtrack, and I think that's what really reminded me of T two as well. Where it's just this constant, almost like footsteps, you know, in the score of like this thing is constantly chasing you. All you can do is just run. Um, but yeah, this this was an absolute blast. This film, like I, I, I don't know what I was expecting. I really didn't. Um, other than what I, you know, said is like I thought it would just be kind of like, oh yeah, he's. I, I think I was expecting a slasher that he just likes to kill people via electricity because like there was a failed, yeah. you know, attempt on his life to kill him via electricity. That's kind of what I was expecting. Um, and my God, is it so much more than that in every single way? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm like confused because like i say i have a i have a memory of the first half of this film and i feel like i'm i just wonder if there's another movie Mm. that's like similar because i just remember like him getting an electric chair but then coming back from the dead from the electric chair i remember an episode of tales from the crypt that is like that yeah i know what you mean but like uh yeah like i say it's weird because uh, you know that that acid trip of the 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 tv shows and everything was Mm. just 
and and even like the whole finale where he was like I'm going to jump through the TV now and you're stuck here forever. Ha ha ha. And then Pinko was like, you know, your watch has been stuck on three minutes for ages, mate. Like we're both screwed. <laughs> God, we haven't even talked about how insane it is that he, that he does the classic. Now you're in TV world. You go by TV rules. And I have this remote that can tr- control everything you do. Like once it got to that point, I was like, man, Wes really was like ahead of his time because we've seen that done so many times now. Also, I bet it didn't happen to this film. No, no, definitely not. A TV remote isn't a video game controller. I know. Like, he's pressing rewind and Pink has like suddenly grabbed a plunger out of nowhere and is like whacking himself. But it's, it's amazing because it's also not he, – he like – he's not just pressing the buttons he's 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 like physically swinging the remote to do yeah, certain it is actions a remote. it is a remote <laughs> yeah, like, yeah wes, wes invented that as well <laughs> i think wes might have created nintendo just in that one moment and yeah. and uh, i love as well that you can be paused but you can mm. still talk yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's so good like I tell you what's one thing about this movie is that, and again, like I adore this movie, but th- this would be so good for a modern day remake because, like, yeah. I think it's it's actual the characters are so good, but Pink obviously, clearly, clearly, the biggest letdown is that is the power of the visual effects because you just have to deal with what they are and know that that's what they are. Yeah. Whereas, like, actual modern day budget um, made by someone that knew what they were doing would, would this would be so good and, and I feel like this is such an unheard of like this would be such a cool fun little movie like you could cut a really good trailer for a movie like this that I think people would want to go see like it would get that fun audience I think a movie like this oh, yeah. Um but yeah, this was a blast. I think in terms of behind the scenes stuff, there really isn't too much interest. And there is the classic, um, obviously, um, absolute pieces of shit at the MPAA, um, who <laughs> basically, uh, according to Craven, uh, the film was severely cut for an R rating. Um, it took around 13 submissions to the MPAA to receive an R instead Ooh. of an X. Who, um, who has to do 13 submissions, man? Uh, Where's Craven and uh, Rob Zombie, apparently? Yeah, um, exactly. Some scenes were cut involving Pinker spitting out fingers that he bit off a prison guard, so that had been right. sick. Um, a longer and more graphic electrocution of Pinker, which is already it was already good, so mm. I would I'm curious what that would have looked like. Um, and a longer scene of the possessed coach stabbing his own hand, which that scene was in the part of the movie that I said I didn't like, but that actual scene was great. Where um, that was the one part of the movie where it really got across the whole pinker is basically battling with the person he's possessed for control mm. of the body and and it's almost like the sunken place where the person is is oh they're slowly getting more control now he's pushing them back down and so seeing yeah. that push and pull physically through the guy like keep stabbing his own hand and then screaming for it to stop or whatever like that was really good i thought <laughs> um definitely but, uh, and yeah, it says despite fan interest, an uncut version has never been released. Um, so yeah. obviously that that footage is just long gone, which just bums me out so much. Like I well, love to have just seen whatever you know Wes's original vision for oh, this but movie was. You can just was. imagine that they literally like Wes at this point was so fucked off. He was probably just literally just le- leaving it on the cutting room floor. You know, yeah. he was literally just cutting it and being like, "Well, that's gone." And mm. and you know, just uh, wouldn't have known then that there was any sort of restoration, or you know, there wouldn't. Yeah. You know, we wasn't. We were only just in the world of the VHS. Like mm. it wasn't like uncut movies and that sort of thing. Like he just thought that was it. You know, it wasn't being preserved or anything like that. It's just it's so frustrating. 
Yeah, and I think the other thing as well is like this hasn't really had many good releases over the years. Like it's on Blu-ray, but it just it it's so basic. Mm-hmm. Um, so this would be this would shoot right to the top of my list now of having the proper Arrow treatment. Oh, I think man, it like because they've obviously done some Wes movies now, and I think getting this. I mean, they've done a lot of Wes movies actually, and so to get this on there and getting certain retrospectives with whoever they can. Um, my God, I'd 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 love to see it. I, I this movie is just a real gem of a movie that i'm, really I'm gonna is. cherish going forward um we did have a couple of uh, comments uh, and question on twitter actually um the first one is from marky who just says uh, the soundtrack is legendary uh which oh. yeah have to agree like i might actually try and track it down because i really want to listen to these songs mm. again because like i say it just puts you in that fun mood and it'll I'll, re- I'll be infinitely reminded of just so many fun scenes like i'm, I'm i can't wait to watch I this think, movie again um the the non Wes Nightmare on Elm Street movies have some like really fantastic songs that the second I hear them, I get transported to those movies. Mm. Um, you know, the, the dream warriors and kind of um, the, the couple after that, like four and five have just got some really great songs. And um, you know, this, this really did remind me of that. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, we did have a comment from uh, Liam who says, I absolutely love this film. Uh, it's by no means a masterpiece, but it's such a fun 80s horror. Um, after watching, do you think Pinker could have been a franchise character if it had performed better? Um, I think it's interesting because I loved Pinker so much. And I do wonder if that's what Wes was kind of trying to do with the film, where I, I don't know where he was in terms of Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, like, obviously, we, we know about what happened after the fact. But I feel like he probably was in a place of... He probably did have so many ideas of what he could do with that franchise, but he just wasn't allowed to do it. So he basically was like, right, I'm just going to make another character. He's going to have similarities. But obviously, Pinker is still very different. I know we're talking a lot about similarities, but, like, Pinker is very different to Freddy Krueger, um, even though he obviously has, like, these one-liners and stuff. Um, so I think that is what Wes was going for. Um, um, so I, I definitely think it could have, and obviously with this level of creativity, I'm sure they could make multiple movies out of it. But I'm I'm kind of glad it wasn't because it makes this movie more special to me anyway. Um, yeah, it's difficult. Like obviously, <clears throat> it's not a million miles away from Dream Warriors time, mm. and so like I do wonder whether when Wes Wes wrote that, he kind of just had so many ideas because obviously you know we get the great television scene in Dream Warriors and Freddy messing around with an actual tv show on screen before you get that scene as well um mm. and so you know it, it does feel super inspired then this movie from that but f- f- yeah to go back to the question i i definitely think that obviously the whole family dynamic between the two of them was interesting but i i definitely could see pinker as, as a franchise guy something that they could have got more fun out of i think mitch's performance in that is 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 very reminiscent of robert with with freddie mm. you know what is freddie krueger without robert england well we've we've seen that but even yeah. even now freddie krueger is still freddie krueger because of robert england what about if he was never cast would that movie have landed you know in the way that it did the, the answer is mm. no like yeah. and, and i think with this like mitch Pelleggi's performance in this was fantastic like you said he absolutely nailed it and and i would love to have seen him reprise that role i didn't know that he you know went there like with that level of craziness you know we've just known him much later in his career uh although not that much later really i guess 
Yeah, I guess not. It's but been yeah, like what five years or something, probably. Yeah, something like that. But I, 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 I am glad we mentioned it again because I would like to end on, or obviously before we get to the final ending. But like his performance can't be understated how amazing it was. I, I genuinely, he put a smile on my face the entire time he was on screen. Mm. I think he, he just got exactly what this character needed to be which was in the moments of violence especially when he's threatening like the families early on like i believed it like he oh, genuinely fight, looked like this crazed serial killer but then he very much loosens up when it becomes more of a personal story to jonathan he does become way more of a tease and very more of like no i'm just trying to do this to fuck with you like i don't actually care anymore about what happens to me everyone. or you yeah <laughs> I, I don't really care anymore i just want you to go through misery as much as possible um and, and i'm gonna have as much fun as possible whilst doing that um and yeah he just nailed it like he was so so good um but yeah that kind of brings us to uh the fun part which is of course oh the ranking um which yeah i feel like man i'm uh, i'm not looking forward to this i think it's gonna be a difficult one um yeah but obviously we have 12 movies so far which is uh, as follows. Uh, number one, Nightmare on Elm Street. Number two, Scream. Number three, Scream 4. Number four, uh, The Hills Have Eyes Part 2. Uh, number five, The Hills Have Eyes. Number six, Scream 2. Number seven, The Last House on the Left. Uh, number eight, Scream 3. Number nine, uh, Swamp Thing. Number 10, Deadly Blessing. Number 11, uh, Deadly Friend. Uh, and number 12, Serpent and the Rainbow. Um I think, yeah, I think what's what's clear to me anyway is that um, it's interesting that the four movies I hadn't seen prior to this ranking are currently the bottom four. Mm. Um, And I think that I don't have massive love or enjoyment for any of those movies i definitely enjoyed swamp thing a lot more than the other three mm. but but even like like shocker is a million times better than those four movies yeah like i won't watch swamp thing again no. um but but i yeah it, i really hope that this gets a nice restoration because yeah. you know the, the the it wasn't great quality and i'd love to see this in higher quality Oh yeah, that would be great. But either way, like this is just such a thoroughly entertaining movie oh, yeah. that I just um, had such a good time with. Oh yeah, like it, it's definitely above those four. Um, and, and I think yeah. at that point, when you look at this list, there's almost like three tiers for me of yeah. like the the top four is just so strong and it's four of our favorite movies of all time. Mm. Um, so then you have the middle four. So it's like basically from five to obviously eight, we have Hills of Eyes, Scream 2, Last House on the Left, and then Scream 3. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when it, that's, now it's when it becomes difficult. <laughs> Trying to figure out where to put Shocker in this. Um, oh, it's, it's an absolute nightmare because like Scream is such a mess with mm. this list because obviously the franchise is so near and dear to us and it's so fantastic. But having these unique experiences you know having a last house on the left or having a shocker like those are just one-off unique experiences that uh you know like this movie was great but like you know the the scream franchise it, it just would have been it's so much easier if that was just one one movie one entry into this list do you know what i mean yeah but we also have to be honest and say mm. one of the main reasons why we're such a big wes craven fan is because of the four screen movies he directed so mm. i think it's it's only fair i think f- for me um it's difficult because out of those 
four um i've seen three of them so many times i think last house on the left is the one that i've seen by far the least uh, just because of the like the nature of that movie is not something i want to watch too often yeah. i think the other three are so watchable i've seen them so many times um and obviously it's difficult because I'm on such a high right now mm. and I'm afraid of kind of overestimating, uh, overestimating where I put it. So it might be one that we might end up kind of retooling in the future. Um, yeah. I think for now, I would definitely be happy with this above screen free. Um, and I almost feel like just at a pure level of enjoyment and this is the whole reason why we've done this <laughs> was to find like a gem. I think I'm happy with putting this above Last House on the Left as well. Um, but I don't think I could put it above Scream 2. No, I think... Where are like, you currently at? In, when I when when you were kind of introing it, I was thinking about the Wes movies, and I was thinking, for me, in my head, without, without hearing that ranking, I was like, the benchmark for, like, good or bad is Last House on the Left. Yeah. Where I'm like, oh, I like Last House on the Left. Um, and... I I wouldn't even say I respect it. I just because because I don't think you should respect movies like that. <laughs> I just I like I'm I'm a I'm aware that it's insane. It's an <laughs> extremely I, important movie for Craven film yeah, filmography. Yeah, exactly. But like, I, I definitely don't want to watch it on a regular basis. Like mm. I like the Arrow version that I have sat there. Like, is a little bit of a dirty thing sat there <laughs> where I'm like, oh. Like, I don't know when that's going to be put put on again. Um, mm. And so in my head, I was thinking this is above uh, Last S on the left. Mm. And then kind of hearing the rankings and hearing like, scream three below last house. So I'm like, Oh shit. Yeah. We've got scream movie in there. But I think, you know, I think it does fall into the conversation of screen. It's not, it won't go above Hills of eyes like that. That It's not, this isn't better than Hills of eyes for me. Um, but is it is it better than Scream Two for me? I'm like I don't think so. I think it probably is just above Last House. Yeah, I think it's difficult because obviously we start getting into the whole well, it's the third best Scream movie, you know, according to us and and stuff mm. like that. But I think Scream Two can't be underrated because if that movie sucks, we never get a franchise. Like it's oh, it, Scream, it's one great movie and then a terrible sequel, and that's it. Then then the franchise is dead. Not only that, I'll tell you why Scream Two is deserving to be very high up on that list maybe even higher it's the introduction of stab it's yeah. it it's where we get the entire rest of the franchise from mm. scream is just a standalone movie scream 2 is what gives us the franchise with with stab and this added real life element of the stab movies mm. but it's just incredible so yeah, yeah. With the idea of a horror sequel as well yeah like. you know the more i think about it i'm like yeah i don't think it, it really is much of a conversation it's scream it's just that you, you know like i say this one's fresh i think it has to be below scream too yeah well i already think i mean i already think it's high like considering yeah. putting shocker above last house on the left and scream free i think yeah. it is high yeah um yeah. so we'll have to see whether it, whether or not it stays there but i am happy with that for now uh if you are as well um, yeah like i say it's one of them where the, the longer this has gone on the more i do think even like last house versus scream three to like you know to, to look at that potentially but i think yeah. for now we, we leave it be and, and have shocker yeah like i say sitting above them yeah, and I think that alone is is massive. I think seeing a, a brand new movie that I've not seen before be in the middle is like very surprising to me, and I, I'm I'm thankful for it. Um, yeah, this is this is I'm glad I've I've got to experience an, a brand new Wes Craven movie to me 
in 2022 that i really enjoy this much um it's great absolutely loved it uh no. so yeah so good, we've man. got more more interesting ones to come um kind of on the periphery like there's obviously uh the people under the stairs is the next one <laughs> That's um a trip. yeah which obviously we're only going to just very briefly touch upon it now but i've only seen it once um so i'm not as familiar with this as obviously obviously it's not a fresh watch like a lot of these are i have seen it um but i've only seen it once um won't go into my opinion on it now but yeah i'm I'm curious what i will think about it after a rewatch um but definitely the one i'm I'm very excited for is the one after that um oh yeah man yes i've been we're, we're waiting a long time and I, I, yeah I'm, I'm very much looking forward to new nightmare now that we're like only you know the penultimate one away on the list i'm like oh man You're i really need busy. to start you made a promise you i know it's fine because what dream warriors is the third one right yeah yeah, so I'm going to start with that, um, yeah. and then yeah, how many? So what is is not is New Nightmare six? No, that's seven. Okay, is it? Oh, yeah, what, is Freddy's dead? dead? Is oh, okay, yeah. right. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. So I got what four of them to watch before then? <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. what have you got? Well, you got Dream Warriors three, and then uh, what's four called? I don't know, but it's basically three, then, four, five, six, and then five is the Dream Child. I think. Right. I can't quite remember what the taglines are now, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you got, you got, you got a few to It'll get be. through. I'm, lo- I'm looking forward to it because I've been wanting to watch them for a while. Obviously, starting with Dream Warriors, uh, rewatching them. So uh, now I have a reason to. So yeah, very much looking forward to it. Um, but yeah, that was our discussion on Shocker. Uh, where we take a quick break and we will be right back. So yeah, just to uh, finish this off this week, uh, just very briefly, I did want to touch upon this film um, officially for the podcast um, because it is a movie by one of horror's most important directors ever um, that that came out this year and we both saw it, um, which is uh, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Um, So yeah, obviously this, this isn't... I was going to say the traditional, like, we're not talking about horror movies, so see you all next week if you don't care. But, like, I do think this is important for horror fans. Um, It's not a horror film. um, No, definitely not. Strictly. But, basically... I I've seen this movie twice now and I'm really glad I waited um to see it again before we spoke about it because the first time I saw it I I did really like it but I think it was just overwhelming how much is in this film um mm. and how much he's kind of getting across in in a fairly tight movie like it's just over 2 hours which for a modern day Marvel movie especially this film um dealing with so many different films TV shows multiverses like so much baggage and characters to kind of Mm. wrap up as well as introducing brand new characters um i think he did an an incredible job and yeah after second viewing i went from liking this movie to absolutely loving it i think on a rewatch i was just blown away by the level of craft um 
that he was able to get into a modern day Marvel film. And I think that, again, for horror fans, and especially for me as a massive Sam Raimi fan, and I say that more than a horror fan because obviously I loved his Spider-Man trilogy, Mm. I think Sam Raimi, his entire film career will be summed up by those two trilogies he he's the guy who made the evil dead trilogy and the spider-man trilogy that is yeah. what he will be known for and he forever that as a greatest hits in this movie like exactly he did such a fantastic love letter of the you know the deadites and bruce campbell and nods to evil dead oh, unbelievable. but then but then the nods to the rain you know the, the spider-man movies and him getting back to the superhero franchise and kind of you know, going into these different universes so he can just fuck with characters with no consequence. Like, um, you know, how dark um, uh, Scarlet Witch got and everything. It's just it's just crazy. Yeah. And I think that is what is so good is that he kind of got to prove that when he made his superhero movies, superhero movies were so different. And so kind of like he's now, okay, I've seen what Marvel done. I'm making a Marvel movie. This is a complete success just as a Marvel film. You know, it's like it's it's easily the best I've ever seen Doctor Strange in any of these films. Like he's so incredible. His his abilities like I really don't want to talk spoilers, but what I will just say, because then if you've seen the movie, you'll know. And I don't think this is a spoiler if you haven't seen it the music fight in this film oh, is like like rewatching it i i was just blown away where i was like this is so awesome the level of creativity um the visuals mixed with the sound um i'm like this is awesome like i i just can't believe he got away with this um and made it and then like i say the level of evil dead i mean he basically again no spoilers but he basically made an evil dead film in this film yeah. um and he got away with it it worked and it served the story for dr strange like man i i i could not believe like you say i went from thinking this is a very good film to like this is absolutely easily in my top 10 mcu now um absolutely blown away by it. and yeah i'm just so happy for sam that like mm. i think for the longest time he is <laughs> one of those guys similar-ish to like wes at times where he's really had to just fight to make films and obviously he started from like the lowest like to think about there's a guy who came out of like college oh, with a bunch of mates. All of his mates yeah yeah and and the fact that that is careers from that movie yeah it just it just fills me with joy and like obviously we love bruce campbell we love sam raimi just seeing these guys still today doing their thing and doing it with a smile on their face and pleasing the fans it it, it's like that chucky effect where it just it just fills me with joy that they're still getting to do the the thing that they do and they do it so well and again this can't be understated like this is so good as as a film like there are so many scenes that you could do like a 10 hour podcast just dissecting the level of creativity in the action sequences, let alone the plot, let alone what it means for the character of Doctor Strange or the character of Wanda Maximoff. Like, I think it's one of them things as well that certainly with the promise of this movie, there was always a question mark as to what insanity could be in this. Mm. You know, could you could you get Michael Keaton as Batman? pop up yeah. in the movie because because <laughs> it's just you know a different universe and it's like let's let's not let's not be stupid let's yeah. not be stupid and but obviously going into it you're stupid it's like uh you know when we get these video games press conferences we get we think we're going to get the craziest shit ever and it's like no we're just going to get like normal stuff because that's that's how the world works but yeah. it's like you know but that's that's like what you know, the expectation was going into this. And I think that's why on a rewatch, you're like, oh no, I know that he did crazy stuff with characters and that sort of thing. And there's some stuff in there, but 
actually the craft and the the way like you say it's definitely the best doctor strange um that we've had in terms of like his abilities making sense like i just rewatched uh uh no way home mm. and like doctor strange in that movie is really strange like yeah i, did, he, I didn't like him at all i thought it was an imposter the whole film yeah, he doesn't totally fit <laughs> no like with the whole movie and it's just like you know they have to just get him out of it because his abilities in that movie just breaks the movie mm. um and, and it, it is very you know very strange in that in that movie but in uh, you know in his own movie in this world that was created by Raimi, it's the most he's ever made sense he never makes yeah. a lot of sense with the avengers and that's why they always have to get rid of him yeah you know he is he is a weird character to have with them all but yeah this movie was so satisfying like the the sam raimi kind of hardcore horror fan in me Mm. loved it and i think all of those nods like you say even there's overt stuff to evil dead like you say but then even the small things of like the camera tricks the kind of like door slamming shut while the camera goes crooked and zooms in like all of those techniques that you love from evil dead are in a 200 million dollar blockbuster um but then also the hard you know the marvel fan in me who's loved you know these this over 30 movies over the last decade now and this continuous storyline he delivered on that in a way that i didn't think you still could and that's what's blowing me away with marvel currently is like they just keep adding on to it and i keep thinking like oh this is where they'll jump the shark like especially with multiverse stuff it gets so messy so quickly um and yet to to actually focus this movie and i think that was you you just touched upon that but i think that was my expectation was i thought oh this movie's gonna be mental it's gonna have like every character ever alternate universes they're gonna bring like it's gonna have everyone it's gonna have robert downey jr as tony stark it's gonna have like every single little fan moment and it will just be a two and a half hour you know there as hulk what like it's gonna have every single reference just to (laughs) pop the fans and that's all it'll be it'll be two and a half hours popping fans but it's actually not it's actually an insanely well-crafted film that actually story-wise makes so much sense like that was the thing I, I didn't give this credit this film enough credit first time i watched it of how actually the story makes perfect sense for all these characters mm-hmm. i thought they did a few leaps when i first watched it but then the more i thought about it and rewatched it, i was like no actually all of the previous character motivations have set up they perfectly nailed in this film mm-hmm. um so yeah he did i'm just so happy like and i'm, I'm curious what he'll do next because he's already talking about like oh yeah the, you know that was a big exhausting project i'd like to just bang out like a small little horror movie next like that would be fun Ooh. to see from him yeah like um, last time we got that we got drag me to hell so exactly that seems like that's what he's ready for it's yeah. like no this was fun but it was unbearably exhausting was which clearly it post, was post the spider-man trilogy wasn't it i think yeah i'm pretty sure and it was um, it was definitely his first like original horror movie for yeah. a while um, i think so, as well yeah. uh <laughs> i know we talked about this quite a bit but i i was speaking to a to a non-horror fan about this movie and they yeah. they talked about their distaste for the post-credit scene and, oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> how they were like i can't believe i hung around for 10 minutes to see that scene and i was like mate i popped so hard for that scene it was it was the perfect post-credits marvel scene <laughs> i did it twice and the second time i was sitting there in the in the cinema in an empty cinema with a smile on my face just go oh it's gonna be so good <laughs> it was just great oh it's just amazing but yeah it's so good i'm just i wanted to touch upon it because obviously 
in, in a different scheduling world, like the fact that we did an episode on Morbius and an episode on Batman, it does yeah. annoy me that we didn't do an episode on this because yeah, the, this movie is more horror in than particular that. Morbius. Yeah, and also, yeah, I mean, it's just so much better. And I think, I mean, to me, it's so much better than both those movies. And I did really enjoy Batman, but I think this is just on another level of craft personally. Um, and yeah, he he just knocked it out of the park. I'm just so happy. Seeing these guys as well, like he's one of these, the names, like I say, he, he was in that era of Wes Craven, David Cronenberg, John Carter carpenter like he was in that era granted he was incredibly young at that time and so he's yeah. still making movies but the fact that he's still making i'm pretty sure that is the biggest movie of this year so far like highest grossing wise and like it's a success like it's it's a fantastic movie that everyone should watch and enjoy um so it's great to see these horror guys doing well um even like i say even if marvel's not strictly your wheelhouse like god there's so much in this that i think people would enjoy you you just wouldn't have a clue what the hell's going on at this point because <laughs> it's like who are these characters what's going that's, on that's the problem i've tried so many times to get people into it and it's like and i'm like there's 30 movies and like six tv shows now or something mm. and i'm like they're like how many of them do i need to see and i'm like eh, probably like 27 in the movies and all the tv shows <laughs> yeah that <laughs> is what blows could, my mind like, is how, how... Hulk, i guess <laughs> <laughs> that's what's crazy to me is like it's the most popular thing in the world but to me it does require all that and, and i guess Ooh. it proves that it mustn't like there's so many like spider-man proves that is like like half the people that saw that clearly aren't going to see like didn't see shang chi didn't see eternals because the box office just proves that so like yeah. people are seeing the big event movies without seeing all the other stuff um and clearly are enjoying it but i do think yeah if you're invested in it got it it's such a good time to be a fan of this stuff um because I, I i since endgame i've been waiting for them to just fuck up um mm -hmm. and i'm still waiting so uh yeah it's because that what well, endgame was about four or five years ago at this point um and like they've nailed more often than they haven't so very good times indeed um but yeah like we said next week will be a different schedule it'll be hopefully on the friday discussing men um because yeah there is a lot of there's just so much out soon like it's it's a bit overwhelming but i'm i'm just looking forward to it because we have stranger friday things which we've talked about and yeah i know we don't talk about it much on the show but like we're both huge star wars fans and so like i can't i saying it out loud scares me because i can't believe obi-wan is out this week i i thought it was still like three years away um and i feel like i've been waiting my whole life for like ewan mcgregor to come back as this character so yeah i'm i'm gonna be giddy on friday absolutely giddy with excitement um yeah it's a great I think, time to i think it's fan. one of them things though where they talk about the uh uh, the most recall, the most recent kind of trilogy being like a love letter to the first, you know, trilogy of movies, and this show feels like a direct, you know, love letter now to the prequel trilogy. Yeah, uh, you know, so many people shout on for so many years, but it's now got to the point that it's twenty years old, and the love of it has come through. And I think you know, this is a love letter to the movies that we saw in the cinema. Um, yeah so i'm 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 so excited man you're absolutely right like it's hit that nostalgia level now for the prequels i think mm. even like mandalorian and book of boba fett have flirted with that of yeah. like oh here's some actual um nostalgia for things that aren't just the, the original trilogy um and so yeah i'm totally with you and like man if you if you don't think revenge of the sith is one of the best star wars movies like i'm sorry i don't know what to tell you like it's it's incredible um people love to always say the prequel trilogy and i'm like man put in revenge of the sith next to those other two movies you're just doing that movie such a disservice like it's 
it's breathtaking um but yeah very exciting like i'm i just cannot wait to look like see all these movies and like say alex garland returning brand new he's doing a horror film after doing two 10 out of 10 science fiction movies um i've been trying to avoid stuff but it seems like it's getting incredibly positive reviews which i'll be honest doesn't surprise me in the least um because i think alex garland is a genius but it's still nice to see that um either way that i'm glad other people have enjoyed it i just hope we enjoy it which i'm sure we will um yeah we will but yeah, all that fun stuff to look forward to, as well as episode 300. Uh, yeah, but that was episode 298, where we discussed Shocker. Uh, thanks for listening, as always, and we'll see you again very soon. See you later, everyone. Through my veins and travels to my head, they said, You'll die soon enough anyway, shut up, I can't. Mainly because I never could, and how could I start that?